Now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, where this great nation was fascinated for the better part of a week. Thank God it was last week with a uh, basically thousand-year-old technology uh, known as aerial balloons uh, going up to look down at planet Earth. Uh, now there is something that is visible or audible, really, and it's audible involving very much 21st century technology and the cutting edge, which is a radio signal detected from 8 billion light years away from Earth. What does it mean? Uh, is this an indication that very, very far away, 8 billion light years away, there is some other form of intelligent life? Or is there an indication of something else with this discovery that was actually uh, made a couple of months ago? Nobody better to talk to about that than Dr. Stephen Meyer, who is the head of the uh, Center for Science and Culture at uh, the uh, Discovery Institute here in Seattle. He received his Ph.D. in philosophy of science from uh, Cambridge University in Britain, and he's a former geophysicist and college professor directing Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture, and they're going to be holding a, a huge conference coming up in Dallas in uh, just um, about a little bit more than a week. And, uh, Steve, are you going to talk about these 8 billion light years old uh, broadcast uh, radio waves? Is that going to be a subject at the, at the center? A bit indirectly, because as we'll discuss as we uh, analyze what all this means, um, it raises issues of how we detect design in the universe or life. Okay. First of all, just to explain what this distance means, because a light year is the distance that light travels in the course of a year. And how, how far is that in miles? Oh, my. I didn't come armed with those facts, Michael. It's a long way. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, the speed of light is very, very fast. So the, the, there's a concept in cosmology called a look-back time. And uh, the idea is that if you're seeing light that's coming from uh, a certain uh, a very long distance away, um, in this case, this signal was detected from 8.8 billion light years away. You're you're getting an image of what the uh, the cosmos or the universe would have looked like at that time, that that long ago, because the light is bringing with it um, information about the the, uh, the the situation or the entity from which it issued, whether it's a galaxy or an atom or or something else. So. Um, Eight billion years ago, or eight billion light years, corresponds to an image of something that was happening eight point eight billion years ago. And this uh, very distant something was a signal that was picked up at Massachusetts Institute of Technology 
and repetitive radio signals from a galaxy billions of light years from Earth. And it was uh, repeated every 0.2 seconds in a clear periodic pattern similar to a beating heart, MIT said it in its statement. What's going on? Right. Uh, and that's what's really interesting is that it's a highly periodic signal. So what we what we know is that the the signal is coming. Um, it's, it, it, you know, there were news reports. Could this be ET? Because when you say it's a radio signal, you think, well, there's somebody there with a little transmitter. But that just means that the the electromagnetic radiation is in the, the radio range of the electromagnetic spectrum. And it has a precise wavelength of 21 centimeters. The, the signal was regular and periodic, which we'll talk about because that's very significant as to whether or not we were seeing evidence of, of extraterrestrial intelligence or a natural phenomenon. Um, and it's been determined that the radio uh, or that this, this signal, the radio wave, electromagnetic wave, is coming from neutral hydrogen gas, neutral hydrogen atom, rather. And um, that's significant in cosmology because these neutral hydrogen atoms are the fuel out of which galaxies are, are made. So we're getting a look at a part of the universe where you're seeing the, the stuff out of which galaxies would form and you're getting to see a look at the universe when it was roughly a third of its present age. The cosmologists estimate the present age of the universe is about 13.8 billion years old. This would have been 8.8 .8 billion years before now, so r roughly for something, uh, four or five um, uh, billion years after the beginning of the universe, but still very, very ancient. Okay, when you say ancient, it doesn't really do this this distance justice. I was I was thinking no. about this because when <laughs> when people hear about a, a repetitive radio signal from a very distant galaxy, I think they think in terms of uh, how long would it take. I guess the real question is how many generations would it take uh, for some spacecraft to probe this distant galaxy at galaxy actually to travel there it would take a, more than a million generations right oh certainly um we estimate the age of our planet at 4.5 billion years the first life on earth arose about 3.8 billion years ago uh, there have been 10 to the 40th forms of uh, or 10 to the 40th organisms that have lived on the planet um so we're talking about, um, uh, it, it, well, in human life would be, um, you know, the, uh, the first Homo erectus fossils were, have been dated at 2 million years old. So add a zero to that to get to 2 billion and then uh, multiply that by four. So you're, um, you know, you're, you're 40 times the, the, this is 40 times older than the oldest alleged human ancestors. So um, it's way, way back in time. Right. Uh, what if this is not a uh, signal? A radio oh, sorry, my math is off there. There's a couple more zeros, actually, because to, you know, to 2 million, to, two, to uh, 20 million, to 200 million, to 2 billion, so that would be a factor of 1,000 times 4, so it's uh, um, 4,000 4, 4, times older than the earliest alleged human ancestors. Okay, so it's safe to say that NASA isn't, with all its ambitions, planning some kind of uh, voyage of exploration here? No way we would ever get to something this distant in the universe. And what, what could 
the uh, these radio transmissions actually be if they are not from some other intelligent form of life? Well, this is the really interesting thing, that, uh, that uh, we have ways of detecting intelligence. There's a search for extraterrestrial intelligence in space, and what they're looking for is not periodic signals, like would come from a pulsar, for example, or an, a, a, an atom that would have uh, a regular transmission of, of peaks and valleys in its, in its uh, electromagnetic transmission. So a pulsar, for example, is a highly magnetized rotating neutron star that emits uh, beams of electromagnetic radiation um, out over its magnetic pole. So it's, it functions kind of like a lighthouse, beep, 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 highly regular. Nat there are many natural phenomena that are highly regular. You can think of the structure of a crystal, NaCl, NaCl, NaCl. You have a repeating pattern. The pulsar beeps its electromagnetic radiation at regular intervals. The, the transmissions coming from these uh, neutral hydrogen atoms have are coming. It's a regular waveform. It has a peak and valley, and that the amplitude is 21 centimeters, or the, the the period is 21 centimeters between each peak. So these are natural phenomena. They're, this is not what we look for when we look for evidence of intelligence or uh, or or a mind. But the, the fact I, that they I, are natural. I hear, I hear the bumper music coming up. We can talk after the break about how we would detect intelligence. Oh, terrific. And uh, even though these may be natural phenomena, that doesn't mean it's not a message or signal of some kind. What kind? We'll get to it with Stephen Meyer. Coming up. Portions of the Michael Medved Show are brought to you in part by the Discovery Institute. And of course, the uh, music of E.T. E is appropriate here, even if the, uh, the heartbeat from 8.8 .8 billion light years away is intriguing. I'll tell you what else is intriguing. Uh, Steve Meyer, Dr. Steve Meyer, is going to be part of a very important conference coming up. It's a conference in Dallas, but everybody can participate in it because all of the sessions are going to be uh, uh, put out online, and you can hook up online to everything. Uh, there will be presentations by Dr. Meyer. Uh, the subject is science and faith. Uh, Titus Kennedy, who is an outstanding archaeologist who went on one of our Israel, uh, helped to lead one of our Israel tours with us. Uh, Dr. Dr. Kennedy is going to be speaking about the historicity of the Bible, particularly the historicity of the Exodus. And uh, there will be Nancy uh, Piercy, who is director of the Francis Schaeffer Center for Worldview and Culture, uh, radio host Frank Turek, uh, and more. The whole thing will be live-streamed in its entirety. The dates are February 17th and 18th. You can register at discovery.events. That's uh, discovery.events. And it will be a, a very memorable event in the Dallas Conference on Science and Faith. And it's also at our website. You can find information about it and about the program at michaelmedved.com. 
Okay, Steve, the the headline from NPR back in July when this news first broke uh, was scientists have picked up a radio signal heartbeat billions of light years away. And what what would you be looking for uh, that no one has found yet that would indicate some kind of extraterrestrial form of intelligent life? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, your listeners may remember the um, the film Contact featuring Jodie Foster. And this was a, a, a sort of fictional portrayal of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, which is a real project. There are radio tele- telescopes that have been looking for distinctive indicators of intelligence embedded in radio signals. And in the film Contact, what they found was um, a, a pulsating signal that was modulated in such a way as to contain the prime number sequence. And when the, the, the radio astronomers in the film realized that they had detected that, they, re, they realized, aha, that's not something that's natural. That would be something that would require intelligence. And there are three types of signals or patterns that are relevant to what, what's called the information sciences. The information sciences study three types of patterns. A highly regular s- signal that repeats over and over again, like what you would get from a pulsar or from just uh, the, the, electro- the radiation from uh, electromagnetic radiation from an atom that would be highly regular. These, these are routinely picked up and understood to be strictly natural phenomena. We also get static, you know, random stuff that has no particular pattern whatsoever, uh, not regular, highly irregular, but there's nothing about the, the irregularity that suggests intelligence. So you have that's a randomness. You've got highly ordered uh, patterns, highly random patterns. Both of those occur naturally. There's a third type of signal or sequence, type of sequence, which does indicate intelligence, and that we call sometimes call specified complexity or information. Um, so the uh, an inf- and we could give lots of examples of this. Like um, uh, if you go up to Victoria Harbor in Canada, uh, I've been up on the Victoria Clipper, and as you go into the harbor, many times they have spelled out the message "Welcome to Victoria." That's a highly irregular pattern of flowers. It's not periodic. It doesn't repeat over and over again in the same way. But so it's, it's, it's complex, but it's also specified. The arrangement of the flowers conforms to uh, patterns that we recognize as English letters and to conventions of English communication. So if you have something that's irregular, uh, it, that's improbable, but specified to convey a message or to perform a function or to conform to a re- an independently recognizable pattern, then we say, aha, now we're talking about intelligence. And that's what happened in, with the contact example. The radio astronomers in the film had something, it was a highly irregular signal, but it wasn't just random because they recognized it conformed to a, an independent pattern that we knew, which was the sequence of numbers that are primes in, the, in, in, in arithmetic. Um, so, that's an informational signal or a specified and complex signal, and that's what, what indicates intelligence. Now, the interesting thing is that we've never found such a signal coming from space. Um, the, the headlines were a bit you know, uh, uh, sensational because 
calling it a radio signal makes you think maybe there is a, someone out there transmitting it, but it was a highly regular signal of the sort that we know is typically produced by natural phenomena. No one scanning the heavens involved in the, re, in the actual search for extraterrestrial intelligence has ever detected a, a, an informational signal that is specified and complex. But the interesting thing is that that's precisely the type of sequence of digital characters that we have in the DNA molecule. The DNA is not highly regular. It's not merely complex or random. It's specified and complex. The sequence, the arrangement of A's, C's, G's, and T's, the bases that perform the function of conveying information for building proteins, have that characteristic of specified complexity that we associate in our experience with one and only one type of cause, and that's intelligence. So whereas we haven't found evidence of or detected evidence of design in space, we have found it in the inner recesses of the cell. So what we're talking about right here is evidence of design, evidence of a non-human uh, intelligence, uh, but the evidence is not 8.8 .8 billion light years away. It's right here at hand in our own bodies. Is that literally point? at hand? If you look at the cells in your in, in in your the hands in front of you, in your skin cells, your bone cells, every single living organism on Earth is made of cells, the smallest unit of life, and inside every cell is a complex information storage transmission and processing system that starts with the information that's encoded in the DNA, trans, uh, transmitted and translated into the building of proteins and through what's called the, the gene expression system. And it's, it's absolutely fascinating, unbelievable, unbelievably sophisticated information technology at the foundation of life and even in the various simple, simple forms of life, even one-celled organisms, bacteria, have information in this in this form, again, uh, information that we could characterize as specified and complex. Not, okay. Not, it doesn't repeat over and over again like a mantra. It's indeed a, a message, a genetic message for building the proteins and protein machines that all living organisms need to stay alive. Okay, you can get the message and get details about it. Participate in the uh, conference in Dallas uh, and streaming live it go to discovery.events for more information or just go to michaelmedved.com Godspeed to you Dr. Steve Meyer we'll be back to earthly politics coming up on the Medved show <laughs> Breaking news from uh, Forbes magazine, which contradicts, frankly, something that we told you earlier, giving you early indications about the ratings for Biden's State of the Union address last night. The more than 23 million viewers watched uh, President Biden's State of the Union address. That's uh, not uh, not nothing. It's a pretty significant number when you think about it, because that's like one out of ten uh, American adults and probably most of those people watching are registered voters. They would also probably be people who are inclined at least to um, wish well or something for Joe Biden unless there are people who are uh, standing waiting uh, to hear him uh, 
to see him discredit himself. He did, by the way, participate in some some very fact-checkable distortions, which we will get to on the Medved Show. But more than 23 million viewers watched President Biden's State of the Union address, and Fox News Channel drew the largest share of 4.568 million viewers, according to Nielsen Fast National Ratings. The numbers will likely rise when final ratings data are compiled. Uh, ABC had the second largest overall audience, uh, followed by NBC, MSNBC, CNN, and uh, Fox. The early ratings uh, show uh, viewership declined from Biden's State of the Union address in 2022, which drew 38.2 million viewers across 16 separate broadcast and cable news networks. And when final ratings are released, may be closer to the 26.9 million viewers who watched the uh, president's first State of the Union address in 2021. Okay, uh, it, it does look like it's very close to the president's first State of the Union address. Why it was so much higher the second time, uh, I don't really know. But one of the things that happened last night was a confrontation that did not involve the president of the United States, but it involved a one-time presidential candidate named Mitt Romney. And what happened is he was walking down the aisle uh, trying to find a seat. He eventually was seated next to Senator Kirsten Sinema, who is now the independent uh, senator from Arizona. There is some interest on the part of the Republican Party in trying to get her to join the Republican caucus in the Senate, which would create a tie in the Senate, who would take away the one-vote Democratic majority that currently exists. In any event, before he sat down with Kirsten Sinema, he encountered George Santos waiting in the aisle in this prominent place where he had a chance to shake the president's hand and greet cabinet members and Supreme Court justices and the generals of the armed forces. And uh, he, um, he commented on what happened between them where the uh, congressman from Kentucky, Tom Massey, said that um, he heard Romney speak to George Santos, and that was the rudest I've ever seen a human being be to another human being. Really? So what did he say? Romney spoke to reporters after the State of the Union address. This is clip nine. I don't know the exact words I said. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't be in the... In the it, look, he's a sick puppy. Uh, he, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be there. You said he's a sick puppy. What do you no, mean? no, no. I didn't say that to him. That. Where did you, what, you, you just said he's yeah. You just said he's all belong here. Yeah. Why did Why did, why did you, you want to say that? that? I didn't expect that he'd be standing there, trying to shake hands with every senator <laughs> in the President of the United States. It's, uh, given Given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying, sitting in the back and quiet, instead of parading in front of the. Uh, president and, uh, and 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 people coming into the room. Did he look, 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 he, he says he says he, uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you got an A when you got an A minus. Lying is saying you you graduated from a college you didn't even attend. 
and, and he shouldn't be in Congress. And uh, they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And uh, but he shouldn't be there. And, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. Why did you, you make a point to say that, though? I mean, it, you went, I mean, it was kind of out of your way to. to he was say standing that. right there in the aisle, shaking hands with everybody. Did he respond to you? Uh, he, he may have. I didn't hear Are anything you he said. That Kevin McCarthy has not called him to resign. Yes. Uh, yes, he is disappointed that Kevin McCarthy hasn't called on him to resign yet. But uh, given the details of the groping allegations concerning a brief, briefly employed aide in his uh, congressional office, that may be coming. But uh, uh, George Santos had an incredibly witty comeback to all of this. He uh, tweeted uh, in response to... Uh, uh, to uh, Romney, hey, Mitt Romney, just a reminder that you will never be president. That was his Twitter message to, uh, to Romney. And here is his message to the rest of the world, implying uh, that Mitt Romney was not being a, uh, a person of faith, a, a good Mormon, as uh, he manifestly is. Here's George Santos. It's not the first time in history that I've been told to shut up and go to the back of the room, especially by people who come from a privileged background. Uh, and it's not going to be the last, and I'm never going to shut up and go to the back of the room. And I think it's reprehensible that the senator would say such a thing to me in the demeaning way he said. It wasn't very Mormon of him. That's what I can tell you. Um. Okay, uh, they are serving in different houses of Congress. Uh, the The idea that he's not, not going to shut up and go to the back of the room, is it that uh, people like Mitt Romney want to silence his unique and necessary voice? No, it's that there is a um, a question, and it's a very real question, about... Uh, the image of the Republican Party. Last night, I think that uh, overall, you'd have to say that the uh, response to the State of the Union from uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, we will get to playing some of the excerpts from that, helped the Republican Party. It was a, a uh, certainly it was, it was useful to have the youngest governor in the country. She's only 40. And uh, and certainly it was appropriate to have someone who talked about her family and talked about her own battle uh, with uh, cancer, which uh, she has won. She is now cancer-free. It came up in the middle of her campaign, as a matter of fact, and uh, talked about her mother's health challenges and overcoming them. And it was generally uh, a friendly and, uh, and accessible uh, look which is something that the Republican Party definitely needs. Uh, coming up, we want to bring the very latest from President Trump, not just his uh, speech last night responding, which was put on tape and then released in the middle of the night. It's responding to President Biden, and uh, <laughs> who he describes as the most corrupt president by far, in all our history, this, I guess, is a prelude of some of the uh, the committee hearings that are going on today to try to expose uh, dark aspects of the Biden past. 
But uh, there's also now an attempt by President Trump, which is remarkable, to uh, attack uh, Ron DeSantis for behavior while he was a teacher years ago before he ever actually got into politics. We will get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Look, he's a sick puppy. Michael Medved. Michael Medved show, uh, there is a uh, piece in Rolling Stone that um, gets your attention right away. And uh, it comes to uh, to this. Uh, the 2024 Republican primary isn't going to get ugly. It already is. Donald Trump recently has been ramping up his attacks on Ron DeSantis ahead of a potential 2024 Republican primary showdown. We're not going to lie. We figured it would take the former president at least a few more months before he started accusing the Florida governor of pedophilia. Now, this is not the QAnon kind of pedophilia, which involves young children who, uh, at least according to QAnon, are uh, butchered, cannibalized, uh, in worship to Satan. Uh, no, it's a different, more garden-variety kind of pedophilia. Trump has been uh, doing just that, accusing DeSantis of pedophilia yesterday, sharing a few posts on Truth Social purporting to show DeSantis grooming high school girls with alcohol as a teacher. Now... That's an accusation of criminal behavior. That's not Ron, is it? Trump wrote sarcastically at some photographs he published. He would never do such a thing. And uh, this, is, this is actually based upon the New York Times reporting last year on DeSantis' time as a teacher at the Darlington School in northwest Georgia. The report notes that several students described DeSantis as a frequent presence at parties with seniors at the school. As an 18-year-old, I remember thinking, what are you doing here, dude? One former student told the New York Times. The photo showed Trump, uh, uh, that Trump shared on Tuesday, was originally published in 2021 by a Democratic blog called The Hill Reporter, which noted that the girls in the photo were seniors when it was taken in 2002. So uh, this is, uh, DeSantis was in his early 20s. He's 44 today. So he could have been 21, 22. Uh, DeSantis has responded to President Trump's uh, posts. He responded this morning. And uh, here is what, he had to say, listen. And I'd also just say this. 
I spend my time delivering results for the people of Florida and fighting against Joe Biden. That's how I spend my time. I don't spend my time trying to smear other Republicans. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, Trump's uh, uh, social posts on Truth Social uh, come amid a torrent of attacks against the governor. The former president has recently called DeSantis a globalist and a friend to Jeb Bush. Oh, horrors, previous governor. While accusing him of vowing to pressure to implement COVID-19 mitigation measures toward the beginning of the pandemic, he's also whined that DeSantis should be loyal, considering it was Trump's endorsement that helped him win his 2018 gubernatorial run. Ron DeSantis got elected because of me. He had nothing. He was dead. He was leaving the race. He came over and he begged me. He begged me, Trump said in a radio interview last week. He said... Uh, and this is Trump saying, talking about DeSantis. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. There were tears coming down from his eyes. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. Okay, and this is what uh, Trump had to say, not in response to Ron DeSantis, but to his other likely opponent, if he clears the primary, uh, either of them clear the primary, that would be uh, Joe Biden, his response to the State of the Union posted by President Trump at his website. Listen, 16. Here's the real State of the Union. Over the past two years under Biden, millions and millions of illegal aliens from 160 different countries have stormed across our southern border. Drug cartels are now raking in billions of dollars from smuggling poison to kill our people and to kill our children. Savage killers, rapists, and violent criminals are being released from jail to continue their crime wave. And under Biden, the murder rate has reached the highest in the history of our country. Biden and the radical Democrats have wasted trillions of dollars and caused the worst inflation in half a century. Real wages are down 21 months in a row. Gas prices have soared and are now going up much higher than even before. And the typical American family is paying $2,200 in increased energy and food costs each year. Joe Biden's weaponized Justice Department, and I'm a victim of it, is persecuting his political opponents. His administration is waging war on free speech. They're trying to indoctrinate and mutilate our children. He's mutilate. leading us to the brink of World War III. And on top of all of that, He's the most corrupt president in American history, and it's not even close. But the good news is we are going to reverse every single crisis, calamity, and disaster that Joe Biden has created. I am running for president to end the destruction of our country and to complete the unfinished business of making America great again. We will make our country better than ever before, and we will always Put America first. Thank you. Well, it had the great uh, virtue of brevity uh, at about the same length as the Gettysburg Address, but uh, perhaps uh, less inspiring. Um, and the, the idea that, by the way, the murder rate is the worst in, in U.S. history 
and the other mentions he made could also be fact-checked. And that was true, by the way, of, of President Biden last night, too, with a, a much bigger staff and the White House behind him. He also made a distorted and misleading claims, which we will get to. But uh, the idea that the murder rate is the worst in U.S. history, uh, one of the things that people need to understand about this country is one of the great triumphs of public policy uh, was actually begun uh, in the Reagan administration. It continued through the Clinton administration and involved improved policing and police services and, and uh, strategies against crime and dramatic reductions in the levels of, of crime in this country. And yes, there have been increases over the last several years. They did not begin under Biden. They actually began under President Trump. He wasn't responsible because it had to do mostly with uh, local decisions and some of the reactions initially to Ferguson, Missouri, if you remember that. And uh, all of the, um, what, what Heather McDonald calls the war on cops, but uh, the the idea that this is going to be the basis for the campaign ahead, it's going to be attacking uh, uh, Ron DeSantis for hobnobbing with students uh, while he was a young teacher in Georgia uh, 23 years ago, 21 years ago, actually. Uh, this is this is not an encouraging. Uh, direction for the campaign. Also not encouraging, uh, this email came in from David, and he says, you still think elections matter. How quaint. Like I've said on many occasions, the Democrats could nominate Adolf Hitler and would win a minimum of 300 electoral votes because of the complete inability for a large portion of the American public to think for themselves or vote beyond using elections as a team sport. The interesting question is, okay, as recently as uh, 2016, in this century, uh, that Democrats did not win 300 electoral votes. They didn't win uh, 235 electoral votes. They won 232 electoral votes, and Trump won the election with 306 electoral votes. If the entire system is so rigged, how did that happen in 2016? Elections matter, and they help to determine the direction of the United States. When we come back, we'll do some fact-checking on President Biden's speech last night and uh, also talk a little bit about the message from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And... A new message on pot from Congress, drastically new and overdue in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 